Hello everyone, uh, this is Terrence Brown and these are the Brownie Points. Um, this is episode 15. Um, I entitled this episode, Innuendos to Racism. I'm going to start you guys out with a quote. Ignorance and prejudice are the handmaidens of propaganda. Our mission, therefore, is to confront ignorance with knowledge, bigotry with tolerance, and isolation with the outstretched hand of generosity. Racism can, will, and must be defeated. That quote was by Kufi Annan. Uh, I hope I pronounced that correctly. Um, a very suiting quote for the things that I'm going to be talking about today. Um, I'm going to be getting a little heavy today um, just because of things that I have been seeing. Um, reports of people due to the coronavirus and um, it's stemming from China. People are committing hate crimes towards Asian American people and people that may not even be of um, Chinese descent um, just for the simple fact that um, the news out there has kind of made that a focal point in discussing the coronavirus basically um, being a product of the pandemic that we're going through and basically blaming it on China. And so now people are kind of getting back in their 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 racist bag and it's always targeted towards a group of people um, when 9-11 happened it was um, people of middle eastern descent um, the whole issue with um, with black people as a whole in the united states in regards to police brutality um, just um, just a lot of things going on right now and I think this is probably the best time to talk about um, racism and just how we know it and how we see it. I'm going to discuss some of the the dimensions of racism, because believe it or not, there are multiple dimensions to racism and bias and discrimination and prejudice um, towards specific people. Um, and a lot of people don't know that people believe racism to just be oh, um, I have a deep dislike or I have, you know, a hatred towards another race for, you know, what seemingly would be rational um, reasons in the minds of those who may be racist, who may be discriminatory, who may, you know, have some prejudice towards other races. But actually, that's not even the case. Um, a lot of it stems from our initial biased of the people that we're around and those that um, we relate to and those that we don't culturally um, in our values and in what we believe in. Um, so hopefully um, with this episode, I can debunk some of those things and, um, and, you know, just bring awareness to people. We don't have enough awareness in the world. Um, and yet people are so impulsive and they feel in the grand scheme of things that their impulsivity um, gives them the knowledge and the basis to do some of the things that they do out of hatred, out of spite, out of ignorance, um, as opposed to living a life where you do things out of love and you do things to empathize with others and to get to know others, whether it be in a diverse setting, whether it be culturally, whether it be based on a person's values, their religion, um, any of those things. Um, 
I do believe racism is going to be and has always been a huge issue for people. And I think it's partly because people don't, they don't get to the understanding that equity and equality can exist if we choose to open our minds to not subjecting ourselves to the fact that we think ourselves to be more superior than others or other groups of people or other individuals that may not be like us or may not have access or opportunities like us. Um, me being an African-American male, um, I see racism, experience racism, experience bias, prejudice, discrimination on a regular basis. And sometimes it doesn't come out at, uh, it doesn't come out overtly as you know one of the things that um people express it may come out as more of ignorance and it may come out as more as you know um microaggression um that's one thing i'm going to be talking about too it may come out that way um it may come in the form of questions to allude to an answer that may that may be comical or comedic to somebody that's not of my race but it may not be funny to me. It may not be funny to those people out there who have a tendency to ask questions or to prompt answers that are of that are racially charged. It may be funny to them and it may come out funny, but you know, it it, it also comes out as bias and it comes out as um discriminating and prejudice. Um, and I think a lot of people need to be able to understand that no matter who you're around, no matter what you're talking about in regards to culture and in regards to race, you still have a responsibility to one, um, always put yourself in a predicament where you are learning and two, to also be mindful of the things that you say. And also be aware that sometimes the things that you say can still be offensive and insulting to somebody that may be of a different race, depending on whether you're asking questions um, and being genuine about it, or if you're just doing it to get your kicks or, you know, to get a response that, you know, that may be funny to you. Um... I see a lot of that. Um, I, I am, like I said, it. I come from an environment where that is the norm. Um, even at this age now, just talking to regular people, even talking to some of my friends, even my wife, my wife is Hispanic. And even some of the questions or some of the comments she makes may come off a little biased just because she's not even fully aware of her understanding of my race and my culture and where I come from. And that's the person that I'm married to. So imagine how other people feel who are estranged to me and don't know who I am and don't know anything of my race. So imagine that. And imagine a world like that where we all are, we're all in this, you know, boiling pot together. And instead of trying to um, find understanding and comprehension of each other, we just find ways and a means to 
separate ourselves and to find superiority over others and to find things that we are that we have a capacity to do in comparison to others and that's not right it's not right because we all live in this world together and when this world ends we will all be leaving it together and let's be clear it's like death come to us all and if we come to a place where we are not understanding one another then how can we how can we flourish in the world if we're not trying to make amends with all of the things that come with racism and come with uh classism and come with um just the different isms that that exist in our world that we have personally created as a means to separate ourselves from each other when we should be trying to bring about togetherness um so first for those that don't have a an underlying definition of racism um i'm going to give you one that's pretty simple um so to me racism um is equated to prejudice and power um prejudice or discrimination against someone based on their race that's racism in its simplest form um if we're just defining it as the term itself um with um the underlying belief of racism is that a person an individual or a group of individuals believe themselves to manifest superiority over another person's race in different facets whether it's in their beliefs in their attitudes and in their actions okay so that gets a little deeper in regards to what racism may mean um in regards to just kind of um establishing a general definition for it for those that don't know there's a lot of people out there who who say racism especially some of our youth and don't necessarily know what it means but on top of that there's people out there that don't know that there's layers to racism there are different types of racism um some of the most prevalent types of racism as of right now and um that kind of plays out in our society and um as any individual whether you're white black mexican asian middle eastern um any of those people or any of those races you have experienced one or multiple types of these racisms and i want to be able to kind of give you the knowledge to kind of see what they are um but like i said these are probably the most major ones um in our society um so individual or internalized racism so this in so this racism exists um within us um as individuals it's when we hold um negative or pessimistic ideas about our culture um and about the things that um that we don't know about ourselves in regards to our race um this can come in the form of self-hatred um there's a lot of people out there in the world that um they wish they weren't the race that they were and a lot of that comes from and stems from um overt racism that people are experiencing out in their society and out in the world um I have come across numerous people um out in the world who wish they were they wish they were black 
or they wish they were Mexican or they wish they were white, um, which alludes to the fact that they wish they were a different race because in their experience, that particular race is at the hierarchy of the opportunities that they want to see for themselves. So that fits into internalized racism. Um, another big one is, um, this is probably, um, this fits more so the basis of um, general racism is interpersonal racism. Um, this racism occurs between individuals. So this is a negative attitude towards different races or different cultures. Um, usually this type of racism comes up when you're a person who was open-minded about racism, but some type of event or experience or something happened with you and it involved maybe another racial group and you generalize whatever experience you got and you generalize that group as all of them fit into a particular box because they wronged me in a situation. So it's usually a victim perpetrator type of model that um, has to do with somebody that has experienced something that involves another race. And now they generalize that whole entire race based on the experience that they, based on maybe one or multiple experiences that they have had talking with or their attitude towards a particular culture or race. So that's um, individual or that's interpersonal racism. Um, some of the more prevalent um, racisms are obviously um, institutional racism. Um, this is one that is probably big where I don't even know if you would call it racism per se, but um, it's it's basically constructs that are put into place to to help particular races get the opportunities and access um, and advantages to different things. Whereas those same constructs prevent other races um, to um, capitalize on those same opportunities and advantages and access as another race would. So an example of that were the Jim Crow laws that were put into place um, after slavery. And um, another thing would be um, redlining redlining specific um, areas and districts um, that are deemed at risk or poverty level um, in order for them to have a disadvantage or have less opportunities than those that are in a, you know, a specific redlining area. Um, so those are some of the big ones. Um, also, there is institutional racism in education, um, in jobs, um, employment, um, those are some of the biggest things um, that you see. Um, there's institutional racism for people who have the opportunities to become, you know, millionaires or become rich or um, be able to get into industries um, that provide um, different opportunities. So institutional racism is probably one of the biggest things as of right now, because everybody is told that that the world is equal quote unquote and that there's equal opportunity for everybody quote unquote but that's not necessarily the case and there's constructs like that in regards to 
what I'm talking about, institutional racism that prevents that, that debunks that whole quote of, um, you know, everything is equal. Everybody has an equal opportunity. That's not true at all, because if that was true, then institutional racism wouldn't exist. Um, and the last one would be um, structural racism. Um, so this has to do, um, this is kind of a framework within um, the parameters of institutional racism, um, but it more so has to do with um, the, the inequities and the inequalities in power. Um, so this has to do with the people that are placed in you know, the, the hierarchy of different industries or different um, um, structures, like has to do more so with like politics. Um, we can say like, you know, high, um, higher up positions in education, business, um, any of those things would fall into that, that framework of um, structural racism. Um, so like I said, those are the four major ones that we experience right now. And those are kind of the dimensions of racism that I want to discuss in regards to um, the things that I see and um, just basically finding a way to where we can teach tolerance to those out there. Um, one thing that I know and one thing that is always going to exist is there are going to always be people that choose to to discriminate, that choose their prejudice over over being knowledgeable and being open-minded about the people around them. There's going to always be those people. Um, but if you teach enough people tolerance and ways to be able to um, be one centered and calm in those situations and and giving responses to those type of people that don't come off as trying to fight hate with hate, I guess, more or less, then you're going to find more peace and you're going to find a lot more people recognizing and being self-aware of their ignorance as opposed to not. Um, so those are the things that I kind of want to get to. Um, and, and that's my thing. So I want to start out with um, internalized racism. Um one big example of this, I think it lies within the black community um, and it relies a lot with black people. Um, for myself coming up in coming up in poverty, I, I I would always see myself thinking about, man, what if I was white or what if I was you know this race? I would have money, I wouldn't be poor, I wouldn't be, you know, living in the ghetto, I wouldn't be starving. And at that point in time, you know, I, I did start to develop some some symptoms of, you know, self-hatred in regards to my race just because of the environment that I lived in. But then I had to also realize for myself that one, not all black people live in poverty. And two, even if I wanted to be a, you know, a different race, it was never going to happen in this lifetime. I was bound to being black and I had to be able to be comfortable in who I was and what I was and understand that I had to love myself in order to realize that 
I could get opportunities. I just needed to know and understand how to get them. Um, I see that a lot now because we have a lot more um, interracial, uh, or sorry, not interracial, but um, we have a lot more um, biracial kids out there. My children are biracial. Um, and you see them struggle with that even more so than people that are of um, one racial group. Um, they struggle with um, self-hatred and negative ideas of either one or both cultures that they come from. Um, and a lot of that has to do with um, it has to do with the pool of what it is that they see for themselves. And it has to do with what they what they identify with. And when you're presented with two things, it's hard to identify with both of them at the same time equally. Um, and it's hard to understand how to. Um, and sometimes that that cultural that cultural barrier there. Um, it, it, it can be heavy and it can make you want to just desensitize yourself altogether um, from the cultures that you present yourself. And like I said, that that's for biracial cultures, that's for biracial um, people, but that's also for um, singular um, cultures and um, different racial groups. Um, one of the things that I had to realize for myself um, and realize um, in regards to just um, individual racism is that I'm not the only one that's experienced that. I'm pretty sure a vast majority of people um, have experienced this for themselves. And they may have experienced it due to some of the questions that are being asked to them or some of the experiences that they have had with other races, or just observing other races, and then observing themselves as their own individual race, and seeing a disparity in the things that were going on in their race in comparison to others. And a lot of that has to do with the media. Media can make things seem so bleak and so unrealistic. And also, the media can be misinforming of the things that are really going on um and they can also paint a picture for you as as people from different races that kind of elude to some of the the stereotypes and prejudice and the discrimination that people experience because they see it on television they see it in the news they see it in the articles that they read they see it on social media. They see the jokes and memes that are being, you know, made about specific groups. So we're getting it from all angles. So being now in this type of generation where racism can come from all angles now, and it's not just in the one or two forms of communication that I experienced when I grew up, it it can be a lot more detrimental to a person's identity and their state of mind when they're thinking about um, the positive things that go along with their race. Um, so my brownie point um, in regards to this is 
if you're a person that um, has negative ideas or you're pessimistic about who you are in regards to your race and your culture, then that that, that means that you need to do your due diligence and gain knowledge about your culture. Talk to your parents. Um, We have the internet at our disposal. Look up things. Get in the knowing. Get in the know. Because the less ignorant that you are about your race and other races, the more you can tolerate and the more you can empathize and the more things that you learn is the less less hatred and the less prejudice and discrimination that you exude in the things that you're saying in your communication and you're able to desensitize yourself from some of the things and outlets that are out there that try to portray certain races as certain things just like if you look at the news um for example um i read an interesting article about um black people in comparison to white people and how they um portray us in the news and in um news outlets um if we talk about white people um i mean honestly we can get real um white people are always portrayed as misunderstood and they're always represented as oh you know this person killed 17 people and he was just misunderstood or um his mental health was not stable now if it's a black person the 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 words and the terms change uh oh he was part of the gang or he um was very aggressive or you know he was combative you know and those those are words that are used towards us or he came from you know an unstable home and this that and the other it's never anything that that is highlighting some of the things that it does for white people and that's a misrepresentation and it's incriminating because now when we think about crimes in the united states particularly um the suspects depending on what race they are they are represented differently based on race. And that's part of the perception in which we are learning and feeding to our children and to ourselves when we're on the news or when we're watching, you know, um, reports about specific people and specific, you know, race groups. um, That portrayal is kind of the spark to why racism, discrimination, prejudice, why these things exist and why people feel it to be okay to go out in the world and say and communicate and do some of the things that they do to other races because of those portrayals and because of those perceptions that are broadcast to everyone. And that's something that we as people, we can change that. But at the same time, like I said, if you're ignorant, 
then you're going to consume whatever is being, you know, given to you. Um, and that's partly a lot of the people that are racist or um, that that use prejudice and discrimination to exile themselves from specific groups or to um, press their superiority on people is is because of that perception that's um, exuded out in the world towards different races and based on those races. Um, it's a it's different. So one of the things that I look to gain knowledge on and one of the brownie points that I hope people to get is that if you truly want to see equality and you truly want equity in the world, then you have to do your due diligence not to skew perception of different races based on the things that you see and based on the things that are happening. Um, you need to understand culture and understand that there is no culture out in the world that is better than the other. It's just what we're accustomed to as individuals and as people and as groups. Um, we also have to understand that no person or group of people are superior to any other groups of people. There may be people who believe that for themselves, and there may be a perception out there that that due to opportunities and certain access that there are specific races out there that may be superior to others. But in the grand scheme of things, they're not. But that all goes into the institutional racism and the structural racism. There are things in place. There are. There are stipulations that other races have to jump through in order to get to specific spots. Um, and even in those and even in those spots and in those places of power is still not at the highest as other races, because the reality is white people. And I'm not saying that to, you know, come off as, you know, um, as a person that is you know, incriminating white people or making it seem like white people or this and that. But the reality is, is that our, our society, America, United States has been founded on a, a civilization that is structured for that particular group to be at the top and at the hierarchy of, of our society. And like I said, it's not their fault. It's the forefathers of the people that created the society. And now, as people, we've just kind of blindly, you know, acclimated to that society as opposed to trying to change things so that those structures can be abolished so there is true equality. But we have not grouped together enough people to be able to do that. And that's why the society exists as it does. That's why racism exists in the form that it does. And that's why a lot of the, the rationale that people carry with them exists because there are not enough people out there trying to debunk it. It's a lot of people out there being comedic about it and not enough people getting serious and, and basically trying to put people up on game and put people up on knowledge about 
culture and, and, and race and, and getting real with people and letting them know that you can't talk to me in this way or in this manner. And you can't belittle me because of my race. There's a lot of people out there, especially in this generation now that think, oh, if I ask this black person, uh, does he like to eat a lot of fried chicken? Will it be funny to them? And a lot of people laugh and like, or if I ask this Asian person um, about, you know, why is I, why he or she's eyes are squinted, are they going to laugh? Or if I ask this Mexican person, why do they work in the fields? Are they going to laugh or make a joke about it? Everything in this society now has become a parody. And people think even with race, like, oh, you know, if we bring up race, it's not going to be incriminating. It's just going to be funny. We're going to laugh about it and we're going to go about our business. But that's not how it should be. Racism is not a parody. It's very serious and it's very incriminating and insulting. And some of the questions that people like to ask other races to allude to um, some of the the stereotypes and prejudice, it's not funny. It's not comedic at all. And us as people need to be able to kind of just put our foot down and be like, yo, like, that's not funny. And not say it in a way to where it's, you know, detrimental to yourself or you come off as angry, but to it 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 should be it should leave a a pathway for knowledge to explain to people why like why it is the way that it is and why you shouldn't say that or why you shouldn't ask that and whether or not people understand that's totally up to them but for us as people being able to get that knowledge out there is the practice that needs to be implemented when we're talking about race and when we're trying to debunk some of the discrimination and some of the prejudice and stereotypes that exist with every single race in our society. Um, so that, that that's probably one of the big things and one of my brownie points in regards to that is when you at, when at any point or any juncture in time, because like I said, on a daily basis, I'm pretty sure most people experience some type of racism within those four that I expressed. Um, you need to be able to express yourself and and be able to put people on knowledge. Um, there's a lot of people out there, especially like the younger generation, they use, they love using the word nigga. And I hear them saying it and, and every single opportunity that I can get, I... I use that as a time and as a platform for me to explain the root of that word and where it comes from. Um, because a lot of people use it because it's cool. Like, oh, yeah, like, oh, that's my nigga. Or I'm not using nigger or um, or that that way. And a lot of people don't understand. It doesn't matter whether you're using nigger or nigga or you know, any of the racial slurs that are out there for different races, it doesn't matter how you're using it. And like I said, people like to use it to be cool or they like to use it to be funny or comedic. It doesn't matter. What matters is those words and those racial slurs stem from people who created those words to be able to oppress you and to put you down and to be negative towards your culture and your identity as a person within that race period. And people need to understand that and they need to know it. 
And there's a lot of people out there that are misinformed about that because they hear their friends saying it or they hear, you know, older people saying it and they think it's cool to say it. And it's not. And that's the thing, because if we alleviate those terms and those slurs and we start getting people to be conscious about the words and the communication that they use in regards to different races and how they approach and communicate with different races. Now we're looking at a dynamic where we get to the meat and potatoes of how how we can abolish racism and how we can get rid of racism or at least get rid of the stigma um, around approaching people about racism and about racist acts racist situations, actions, communication, and the prejudice and stereotypes that come along with it. Um, so that's my, my main thing in regards to that. Um, regardless of what, regardless of whatever race you are, always understand and know that God made you that specific race. God placed color into the world. Um, different types of people, different types of credences, different types of religion, different types of beliefs, attitudes, different types of things and rituals and customs that different types of races and people do. And to me, that's what makes the world so much more beautiful. Um, what makes those things negative is when we incriminate people or make people feel bad for being who they are. I can't help but be black. I can't help but to be who I am. I can't help to be engrossed in the culture that I am. And I love that about myself. I love being black, just as anybody that's a different race should love who they are and should love the culture that they come from. Um, color is a... a, a it's what makes the world beautiful. Different races is what makes the world beautiful. And we have to understand that we can't differentiate in those things because we're all human beings and we all come from the, the, the same, the same things. And we, as people go through some of the same things and some of the same experiences, race is exempt from our, our life experiences. And we have to understand that as people, um, just know that you can be the person or the people around you can be the people that learn from you, just as the people that you may be around, you can learn from them. If you have friends or family members that may be of different races, you can learn from those people. Just as if you go out in the world and you ask questions or you communicate in a way that you shouldn't be communicating in, then those people that are around you, it's their responsibility to make sure you get the knowledge that you need so you're not ignorant and so that you're not going into social, you know, instances where you can be, you know, incriminating or discriminatory towards other people. Because um, just like I said, it's like we're all people and the the sad part is racism exists because of our lack of knowledge in regards to culture and race of other people. And once we get that knowledge and once we get the basis to ask questions that are not a parody of that person's race, 
then we really get into the depth of who people are and where they come from and why their cultures are so beautiful. And that goes for any culture, not just um, African-American culture, any culture out there. Um, but it's it, it's a a willingness to understand and to be open minded about everybody that lives in our society, period. But it takes a stronger mind and it takes an open mind to understand that there is depths to all of this. And racism can be um, alleviated if we choose to be on the side of knowledge, not on the side of ignorance. Think about it. So one of the things that has always been dear to me, um, just because I work in education and um, and in most of my podcasts, I'm going to reference education because um, education is the cornucopia of um, of a universal system that everybody goes through. So um, I'm going to always reference education. So um, one of the things um, that I chose to write my master thesis in was um, the disproportionality of um, the disproportionality in school um, discipline. And for those that don't know, um, disproportionality is basically is basically um, an inequitable or unequal system that alludes to constructs um, that may differ for different races and different people. Um, one of those things um, is, of course, education. Um, and I've done like stats on school discipline. And I've looked at hundreds of articles about just school discipline. And all of those articles um, come to the consensus that um, African-American and um, Latino, Mexican um, students are um, the disproportionate group um, in regards to school discipline, meaning that they're the group that has the highest percentage of um, disciplinary referrals and um, exclusionary um, discipline, um, which includes suspension, in-school suspension, and even expulsion, um, detention, um, any of those things to reprimand the student. Um, African-American students topple that, and, you know, Latino students, uh, Mexican students are right after them. So they are kind of at the hierarchy in regards to that. Um, I bring this up in regards to this talk about racism because there is an implicit bias on the part of probably everybody. And the way that we conduct ourselves and make our decisions and go about our actions are based on an un in an are based on that unconscious bias in how we talk and communicate in reference to other people. And those attitudes and stereotypes are kind of um exuded in that implicit bias. Um, so like I said, implicit bias refers to the attitudes or stereotypes that affect our understanding, actions, and decisions in an unconscious manner. Um, so an example of this is if I'm in a classroom and I'm a teacher and I have 25 to 30 students in there and 
you know, maybe let's say I'm, you know, an African-American teacher and all the, you know, African-American students that are acting up in class, I just, you know, give them a verbal warning. But if there's a white student or a Mexican student that's acting up in class, I immediately send them out and I don't give them the tolerance or the, you know, the warnings that I would give to a, a you know, a student that is of the same racial composition as me. And that's how I kind of, that's how I kind of reference implicit bias. Um, also, um, it's also in the opportunities. I may be more willing to help, you know, an African-American student because I'm African-American as opposed to if there's, you know, a white student or a Mexican student or Asian student that comes up to me and needs help, I may just, you know, deflect or just be like, oh, go read this or do that and then really go and take my time with the African-American student. Um, that exists in the educational parameters um, as a, a commonality in the classroom. Um, a lot of a lot of teachers, a lot of educators, you know, a lot of people are aware of it. Um, but a lot of those people, probably nine out of the 10 in regards to that will, you know, deny being that person or deny doing that in their classroom, which I'm pretty sure a lot of people have done it, especially if you're an educator. I've done it before. Um, I, you know, I, I fess up to that. And like I said, it's an implicit bias and it's not necessarily something that is bad. It's just something that we don't think about and it just happens that way. And sometimes you have to be conscious of those implicit biases and you have to understand that you have to be a person and an individual that exudes equality if you want equality in the parameters, whether it be in your profession, um, employment, um, within your friends or any of the any of the social environments that you are engaged in. If you want to find equity and equality in those instances, then you have to make a conscious effort to know your your bias and understand it and make decisions that are going to be suitable for everybody and equitable for everybody. Um, so impl implicit bias, um, if you don't know what it is, I, I advise you to look that up. It's very interesting, especially in the realm of education and as it alludes to institutional racism. Um, a lot of that bias um, plays a big part in a lot of the decisions that are made in education, actually and in how students are um, receiving instruction too. Um, a lot of people don't know that, but your educational experience as a student is, um, is ingratiated on the implicit bias of some of your teachers, your educators, your administrators, um, people that you work with, um, students, colleagues, any of those, um, any of those things. They fall in that in that framework. And like I said, I reference education because it's um, universal to all of us just because we've all been through education and we all are going through education. Um, so those are things that we have to look at and we have to make sure that we are um, that we are being equal and equitable in how we go about um, communicating, um, communicating to just other people. Um, if you want to prevent racism, 
um, then that's probably one of the biggest things that you want to do is make sure that you are conscious and being self-aware of how you are and your bias towards specific groups. Um, because we all have some type of bias. And like I said, um, I mean, I don't want to sound bleak, but it's like, we all have experiences, whether they come from us or they come from our parents or our friends, um, the things that we see in the media, there are there are stigmas around all of those things. And those experiences and the things that we engross ourselves in is what develops our bias towards specific groups. Um, and, and that's just how it is. Um, but if we're conscious of those things, then we can alleviate those bias in our decisions and how we treat people. There's some people out there, they can't, they, they can't alleviate the bias because they choose not to understand why it's there. Um, they just know that it's there and that they conduct themselves that way. Um, and, and really we have to be able to fix that. It's all a mentality thing. Racism is, is embedded in our mentality. Um, our prejudice, our bias, our discrimination, and the things that we think about other, other groups of people, it's embedded in the mentality that we go about. It's embedded in our communication with those people. It's embedded in how we approach, um, different groups and how we approach, um, specific situations. Um, and just through those experiences, but we can be, but we can be the, the catalyst for making those situations better by understanding and, and gaining knowledge for those things. Um, one of the things that I wanted to talk about in regards to um, that, um, just to kind of transition from implicit bias, is um, racial microaggression. Um, and this comes in the, this comes in different forms. A lot of these, uh, a lot of the microaggression comes in the form of questions. Um, and it can be like simple questions. Like if I'm a person that has an accent, the question can be, where are you from? Or where were you born? Um, or it can be something that would come off as positive, but it would still be considered microaggressive. Um, just based on, you know, just based on that. So if I'm a person that's, you know, of, you know, Mexican descent and I speak Spanish and I come from Mexico, um, but I speak English and I have an accent, you know, one of the questions may, or one of the comments that may come off as, as a microaggressive comment is, oh, you speak good English or, um, you know, I like your accent. And a lot of the times, you know, it goes it goes to play into that implicit bias that because something is different or is, you know, peculiar to us in regards to how we conduct ourselves, then um, racial microaggression um, comes into play in those instances. Um, a lot of the things that I, a lot of the microaggressive comments that I used to get a lot um, growing up because I was, you know, a smart African-American student was like, oh, he's so smart or he's so articulate. And, you know, growing up, it was just like, 
you know, you, you wanted that praise. But as I got older, I was just like, do they really think that? Or are they just saying that because, oh, he's black, but he also happens to be smart. And he also happens to be, you know, this, that, and the other. And sometimes it, it, it's tricky with that stuff. And it, and it can come off as condescending in regards to who you are and what you are. Um, a lot of people have to understand that sometimes the intent of your positivity or the intent of um, comments that you make towards another race can still come off as incriminating, even if they're supposed to be or supposed to sound complimenting. Sometimes they can still come off as incriminating. And we have to understand that that's part of the microaggression um, in regards to that statement. And racial microaggression is that. It's basically making comments um, gestures, um, asking questions that may allude to, um, that allude to the difference between my race and your race in a, in a semi-negative manner, but it's kind of masked by not so much ignorance, by masked by semi wanting to know, but then also not caring. And just trying to, one, you know, get a comment out there or to just say something in reference to that. And that's where that, it's where that, or where that term and that conception stems from. Um, some of the other microaggressive comments that, that are common to most races um, is one, like one of the themes um, is people alluding to being colorblind um when people see the, uh when people say they don't see race um so there's a lot of people that say that just like oh like you know i don't see race when i look at you or you know the only race out there is the human race you know a lot of people try to get those types of comments off and they're they're microaggressive comments um some of the um more relevant ones are the denial of individual racism. Um, when I, I love hearing this comment when, you know, people say something and you kind of look at them funny, especially if it's not a person of your same race and especially for black people. And like, you'll say something like, Oh, like that didn't sound right. And they will just be like, Oh, well, I'm not racist. You know, I have black friends. I love seeing, I love hearing that. It, it's funny because one of the things that people have to, they have to basically tell themselves is that when they're called out on the things that they say that come out with like a negative connotation towards race, the first thing that they go to is one denying that they are racist, which they may not be racist, but but then they also take it further to say that, oh, I have friends that are of this race, so I can't be racist. And that's not true at all. You can still have prejudice and discrimination and implicit bias towards another race, and you be in communication and have those people have your acquaintances on a regular basis. 
um that that's so that debunks that altogether it's not being race you're you you still don't fall under the realm of not being racist because your friends or your you work with or your acquaintances with somebody that's of a different race than you um but like i said that one is always funny to me because people believe if you're friends with somebody of a different race that you can't be racist and that's not true at all there's people out there that are still racist and you know go around these people um and there's people out there that discriminate and incriminate their friends and they may be of different races and they do it just because they're around a group of people and that's usually in those in the parameters of acquaintances and friends where you really find out um whether the people that you're around are, you know, prejudiced towards you or have a a bias towards your race. You really find that out in those types of situations, even more so than you do just talking to strangers or talking to random people out in the world. Um what's another one? Um the myth of um the myth about people in regards to um statements that race doesn't play a part in the opportunities they receive people always say i believe the most qualified person is going to get the job or everyone can succeed in society if they work hard enough um those statements are said as as an optimism in our society if the world was a utopia and everything was fair and everything was just but we don't live in that the world is not the world is not just nor are the people in it there is not a sense of equality in everything that people do and in all of the facets and the realms that people go through um that and that's just society as a whole so we can't say that everyone can succeed in society if they work hard enough. There are people out there who work their ass off on a regular basis and will never see the opportunities of somebody that is from a different race or somebody that is um, in a different, you know, hierarchy or somebody that's in the same, you know, profession, but in a higher position. You can work as hard as you want and you may not see that. Um, I believe that most people are qualified for, you know, qualified that should get the job. I don't believe that either. There are plenty of people that are qualified for specific jobs. But if you don't fit the mold that, you know, that that person or that group of people is looking for, regardless of if it's, you know, for the reason of race or for the reason of stature, or for the reason of, you know, socioeconomics, or whatever the the criteria is, then you won't be qualified for that job, regardless of how qualified you are for it. So those things are not true. Um, and they, it doesn't exist in this world. Um, one of the other ones is, you know, understanding cultural values and um, communication styles, um, amongst cultures. Um, I, as a black person and probably many other, you know, black people out there, 
I, you know, I come from a family where we like to joke around. We like to talk about each other. We like to make jokes. We like to get animated um, and things of that nature. And that's not to say that all black people are like that and all black families are like that. But, you know, from my from where I come from, that's, you know, how we are. And from the perception of somebody that's not from my culture or doesn't understand my family dynamics or, you know, you know, or any of that, they're going to generalize that. They're going to just be like, oh man, black people are so loud. They're so ghetto. Uh, uh, that's another word that you hear a lot when black people are being loud. Oh, they're so ghetto. They're so, you know, this, that, and the other. Um, and those are also microaggressive comments. Um, and, you know, and what people don't understand neither is that, you know, ghetto it's been made into a term, but ghettos refer to poor and impoverished places. And it came from, uh, and that was a term that was created um, in Germany for the concentration camps where they were keeping Jews. So, um, but, you know, I'll just drop that jewel on you. But for those that don't know, but, but it's kind of been um, evolved into that, um, calling people ghetto, people that are considered loud or rambunctious. And that's the, the, the phrase that is coined for that. Um, but a lot of people, you know, call black people that and it's a, it's a racial microaggressive word. Um, the opposite for Asian people, um, um, in a lot of the Asian cultures, they're considered, you know, to be a lot more reserved, um, maybe even, you know, quiet. Um, and that's not to say that all of them are like that. And that's not to say that, you know, that exists in that. But it's, you know, that's something that's perceived by, you know, most people looking at that culture. And some people might come, you know, come off as, you know, why are you guys so quiet? Or why are you this? Why don't you speak up? Or why don't you talk? And that goes to to show you that people need to understand the cultural background of those that they're around. Cultural competence is really the way. And this is something that, you know, that I teach in regards to, you know, my counseling background. But cultural competence in our society as a whole is something that really needs to be taught and manifested in the the mindset of how people communicate. If you are not culturally competent enough to understand the people that you're around, then how can you ever understand what other people and other racial groups are accustomed to in their cultures? And on top of the cultural thing, you can't even generalize that because not all black people do the same thing. Not all Asian people do the same thing. Not all Mexican people and Latinos do the same thing. Not all white people do the same thing. So you have to even go further than that to not generalize people and understand that people are going to be people on their own individual basis. And when we get into when we talk about racism and we talk about um, when we talk about microaggression, we can't generalize a group of people to fit the mold and the perception that we think they're supposed to based on our bias and based on what we think they are and everything else in between. We have to understand that there's more to it and that 
that learning and that that knowledge is um, is something that we have to delve into in order to understand um, culture. Um, is it ideal? No, but if you really are a person that subscribes to not being a person that, or if you're a person that subscribes to um, the notion that people should be equal and that racism shouldn't exist the way that it does and in the parameters in which it does, then you're going to do your due diligence to um, to understand culture and to be culturally relevant and culturally competent when talking to people. And when you're discussing racism, you're going to be a lot more mindful of the things that you say and of the, the actions that you take. Um, that's a, that's, that's another thing that, that kind of goes with this, this talk about racism is that you have to, you have to be mindful, not only of how you communicate it and then the things you say about specific groups and specific people, but your actions have to complement that. Um, it was crazy, um, watching, um, watching Donald Trump um on tv and he was talking about the coronavirus and he kept saying instead of saying the coronavirus he was saying the 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 chinese virus and he continued to say that and one of the reporters asked him he's just like why do you keep referring to the virus as the the chinese virus and his answer to that was because it's from china and then we wonder why there is a spike in Asian Americans, you know, and hate crimes towards Asian Americans um, because of that simple thing that he put out in the world by saying that, oh, this Chinese virus, basically saying, oh, it's the Chinese people's fault that this virus exists now here. And now the people, of course, the ignorant and the stupid people go out and be like, oh, it's their fault that this virus is out there. Let me go beat up on the Asian American people who may not even be of Chinese descent um, just because he said Chinese. And that's what I refer to it as. It is stupid. And that goes to show you right there is just like people are sheep, man. Like people really, really are 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 not informed about anything and they don't care to be. Um, So my brownie point to you in regards to that don't fall into the stupidity of what people are saying and what people are doing. If you really want to understand racism and you really want to understand how it plagues the minds of other people and how it plays a big part in the the underlying um, society that we live in, then you have to, one, research everything about what racism means and why it's so prevalent in our world. And two, you have to go out in the world and debunk a lot of the stereotypes and the things that people say. Don't allow people to have the opportunity to say things that may be a misrepresentation of either your race or somebody else's race. Um, I'm a big advocate of standing up for people when they choose not to. And I'm also a big advocate about communicating things 
um, when people are being misled. If you see somebody in the wrong direction, you don't let them continue to walk in the wrong direction. You get them, you turn them around to where the path is supposed to be, and you guide them. It's the same thing for racism. If people are misinformed about races and different groups and different racial groups, it's your job to get them, give them access and the opportunity to, to gain that knowledge, and you guide them through it. And we don't see a lot of that. And that's why racism is always going to persist because there's not a lot of people out there who are who are brave enough to let people know that it's not okay to say some of the things that you're saying. It's not okay to exude microaggression in your comments. It's not okay to to ask me questions that incriminate my race. It's not okay to group me in and stereotype me um, based on some of the things that you see that may not even be true and you're misinformed. Those things are not okay. And the way that we make those things okay is by understanding, by gaining knowledge, and by putting knowledge out to the people. When we do that and we give people the information that is necessary, then you put people on a path that gains a lot more tolerance and it not only it not only heightens our responsibility as people to love and empathize with those as human beings not as not as a race or a color but it also gives us an opportunity to find togetherness and that's one of the big things we live in this world together and we're going to always coexist Black, white, Mexican, Asian, we're going to all live together. We're going to all coexist. We're going to all work together. We're going to all be in the same educational system together. We have to find togetherness. And now even more so in this time of pandemic, because um, the coronavirus is not, it's not exclusively going towards one group of people. It's not, it's not. Nobody's exempt from catching the virus, just like nobody is exempt from death. And in those times of peril and in those times of need, race does not matter. We are going to go through the same human condition. We are of the human race and we are and we are a people that have no togetherness because we let the stipulations of racism and the stipulations of classism and the stipulations of um, social economics and all of these things get in the way of just being people and having a heart for helping and understanding the people around us. Um, we have to get better at that. And that's me included. We have to get better at being a culture that is united as just one culture, the American culture or 
the human culture, whatever you want to call it. We have to be united in, in that. We have to assimilate ourselves to understand each other as a culture, as a united culture. Because African-American culture, Latino culture, white culture, <clears throat> Asian culture, all of those cultures combine it together. We, we make one culture because we all coexist together. There is no separation in that. So I don't know why us as people want to separate each other. Our togetherness is what makes us beautiful. The colors on a portrait are what make the portrait, not just the separate breaststrokes. When you put all of those colors together, that's how we create the portrait. And that's as simple as it, as it gets. If I use all of these, these colors on a canvas, I'm going to come up with a beautiful picture. I'm going to come up with a portrait of our society and who we are as people. We don't segregate and we, and we don't, and we don't desensitize ourselves to that portrait because we all are going to exist together. Um, so my brownie point to anybody that's listening is that teaching tolerance is the best way to understand our togetherness and our goal and our mission as a people um, in this world. We're here to help each other. We're here to pick each other up when we're down. We're here to listen to each other. Race has nothing to do with that. It all has to do with who we are as people. And we all have those values. And that's another thing that we never account for um, in racism. Even though we may be of different races and you may have bias or discrimination or prejudice towards me as a black person who is different from your culture. One thing that that never ceases to amaze me is that people never think, hey, even though we're from a different culture, um, a different facet of life, our values and what we value are still the same. We value our family. We value, you know, our professions and the jobs that we're in. We value love. We value, um, we value aspirations and goals and dreams. All of those things are part of who we are as a whole, as a whole united people. And we have to continue to look at those positive things and not look at the things that keep us apart, the things that separate us, but the things that bring us together is what's going to matter, especially in this day and age and especially in the pandemonium that we're experiencing right now. Our, to our togetherness is what's going to bring about a day where we can abolish racism, where we can find equity, where we can find equality, and we can find a a universal love for each other and for the people around us. But I want you guys to kind of meditate on that and think about the people that you're around. Think about, you know, the races and the different people you encounter. Think about the people who you may deem as racist. Pray for those people. And when you and when you always get a chance, which we always do, and when you have an opportunity, 
drop knowledge for those people so they understand and can empathize not only with you, with but with other people. We have to be, we have to be the onset and the catalyst for a world that we want to change for the good. And it starts with us. And it can only, and it starts with one person. And it has to be a domino effect from there. But think about it, meditate on it. And like I said, I'll be praying for everyone. And, you know, right now, even though racism is not our biggest problem right now in regards to the pandemic that's going on, but it has always been a problem in our society. And it's because people are not taking the initiative to to debunk some of those things that our perception tells us to believe when we don't have to. Um, but that's it. That 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 is my brownie point to you guys. Um, go with love, go with peace and be tolerant and teach tolerance to to your family, to you, if you have children, to your younger ones and keep an open mind about the people that are around you because you never know. You never know when you might need somebody because race is exempt from that too. My name is Terrence Brown and these are the Brownie Points.